Before we jump into today's conversation, let's take a moment to acknowledge our amazing sponsor, the Academy of Therapy Wisdom. Oh my gosh, we love this platform. They're the place I go now for all my CEUs. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Please join us for our next live online workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, April 3rd through 6th of 2024. This is an experiential, active workshop designed to engage you in brain states that promote relational learning. If you want to get closer, say the things that usually go unspoken and trust each other and yourself. To get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Go to whydoesmypartner.com to learn more and register. Welcome to the Why Doesn't My Partner podcast. I'm Jules. I'm Vicki. And I'm Rebecca. We're your hosts. We're also couples therapists and messy humans bumbling through our own relationships every day. We met through our training and practice of relational life therapy. Between us, we have more than 40 years of experience holding hard relational questions with our clients. We're going to bring those questions here. And together, we're going to take a stab at answering those questions. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. If something you hear in this podcast stirs something deep within you about your relationship, reach out to a couples therapist in your area. Hey there, dear listeners. We're so thankful for you. Today's episode is one of our longest. It's about 45 minutes long. So if you don't have time for it all at once, feel welcome to take it in in bite-sized pieces or come back to it when you can. It is really important conversation and we really think it will help you to take this in for your relationships. We also love to hear your questions. So don't forget to go over to whydoesmypartner.com and leave us a question of your own. Here's today's question. Why doesn't my partner just tell me they want to connect with me? Sometimes it feels like they just pick a fight. There are so many reasons. So, so, (laughs) so one thing I think is that we, we imagine that we could name a behavior and that that behavior would have like some really significant underlying meaning and it would always be the same. And I get why we mm-hmm. want that to be true. They always. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah. To, yeah. Like to well, simplify it. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yes. humans are not complex beings. I get that <laughs> the fact that we're complex <laughs> beings is super frustrating. Really hard to sit with. <laughs> so um, one thought that comes to me is about polyvagal theory mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. So for anybody new to polyvagal theory, think about it like this. My autonomic nervous system is gauging four times every second. Am I safe? And am, am I not safe? And if I am safe, if I'm registering safety, then a certain set of behaviors and functions is physiologically supported. And if I'm not safe, a different set of physiological um, experiences is supported. Like, and so yeah. if I am safe, I can move into connection and bonding and uh, energetic play. It, so connection through play and mm-hmm. excitement experiences. Um, I'm, I'm okay to make love. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, oh, rest and digest functions. All that's supported. So if, if I'm safe, if I'm safe, if I'm safe, then yeah, it's cool. 
for me to like go ahead and like relax and play and seek and bond and have space for chillness. Right. And then if I'm not safe and four times a second, I know I've probably said that before, but I cannot say it enough. I I don't think any of us can say this enough because we're scanning like all of this information Mm -hmm. is coming in through all of our different sensory organs, through all of our different senses, through the information inside of our being and just how we digest information. And we are rapidly processing it at this rate of four times per second. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So I'm scanning my viscera, my heart space, my diaphragm, my gut space, and I'm, and I'm taking in the environmental cues, sight, touch, smell, sound. So can I get really good? This is a joke, but can I get really good at getting ahead of that process? No, it's four (laughs) times a second. (laughs) You don't practice it enough and get really, really good at it. Never. (laughs) Shit. I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. So then what do we do? Yeah. I'm Vicky. I'm watching you have so many thoughts. What's happening? (laughs) I mean, like four, I've heard this. Not only have I listened to you, I talked to you. I know this. I tell my clients four times a second. I'm like really right now processing that it's four times a second, like every second. Every second. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's a lot. That's what we do the math on how many times a day. Oh God, no, no. (laughs) it would just, it would just freak people out. But here's what I love because there's another side to this, right? Yeah. There's another side to this. And Jules, I think we've talked about this in the past, but when we slow down, Mm. right, that there's, there's another thing that we can do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So all is not lost. Mm. (laughs) The trick is, (laughs) well, I have good news and bad news. I'll give you the bad news first. Four times a second, your brain scans for safety and danger, which means four times a second, that fast, you could go into a danger response. Pop, and you're gone. Mm-hmm. And I have good news. Four times a second, your brain scans for safety and danger. So you could also register safety. Okay. that I like that. That was an interesting <laughs> way to phrase it. Yes. So it's like good news and bad news at the same time. Cool. (laughs) So, okay. So what can we do about it is we can develop really good responses to it. Mm -hmm. So let's say, well, I want to, I want to talk about this a little bit because let's say my partner picks a fight with me. They could be picking a fight to get me to do something different, like to get me to go away from them or to get me to Mm -hmm. move towards them. That's totally possible. So I could be like an agenda space or it could be in a fight response. Like I'm trying to scare you off. So if your partner is picking fights with you, it could be that they're wanting distance actually, rather than Mm -hmm. connection. Um, It could be that they pick a fight for an excuse to go cold for a few days. Like maybe they're wanting some space. And it's also totally possible that they're fighting to connect, which I'll get into in a second because that's like a slightly different process in a different part of the brain. But like it could be that they're wanting to like create safety by creating distance or it could be that they're wanting to create safety by creating closeness. And I don't know Mm -hmm. like which one it is. Right. And I just find myself thinking, let's make it me and my my, my husband Mm -hmm. without asking him, which I probably can't do in the moment. I don't really know which one it is either. Totally. And then we guess we know which one it is. And then we make up a whole story, a narrative in our head about which one. And we're sure we're right. Yes. 
Because I'm always right. Because I'm always right. I was just about to say right because i'm always right and i've been right enough that you know 90 percent is good and so <laughs> might as well assume um no but then we miss it if it turns out yeah. we're getting data that doesn't match our narrative mm-hmm. we actually won't take it in right right mm-hmm. which is what we what i mean when i say well yeah. you're never going to stop it on the front end but what you can do is respond to it differently and the skill i love for that is second consciousness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. when I'm building second consciousness, what I'm doing is I'm the first step is really about learning. What are my tells? Like, how do I know when I've neurocepted danger? Neuroception, by the way, is a poor just term. It just means I've scanned and I, I think it's danger, but like on a body level. Right. So yeah. I, have so I was one thinking no one I talks can, like that. I have one that I can <laughs> throw in, right? I, I am the only human being on earth who talks like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning too from hanging out with you long enough. <laughs> Didn't I'm even catch me. I was just like, all right, here we go. That so, one's never going to happen. So <laughs> I have one that, that I know about now that okay. I didn't yeah, used to know us. about, right? Mm. When my husband bites his lip, I thought I did something wrong. Something's mm-hmm. the matter. Mm-hmm. Turns out that's not really true. Yeah. It might be true like one out of a hundred times. Yeah. But it's not really the truth, truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can see how the narrative can like hook me into neuroceptive danger. Yeah. So if I have the narrative, when he yeah. bites his lip, that means I did something wrong. And then I see him bite his lip and then my, my heart space reacts yes. to the thought. Yes. Right. Cause we have a positive story feedback loop both ways. Mm-hmm. Right. So the story in my head changes my heart space and goes, <gasps> and I go into like shame or agitation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my heart constr- contracts and that quarter of a second sand goes, Oh, danger. <laughs> And I'm in reaction mode already. Right, exactly. So the trick is really when I think about second consciousness for you, one is undoing the narrative, which is awesome that you have. But the other piece is, okay, so what are your body tells? Within my own body. not okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so what do I notice internally that Mm -hmm. then is like, so I noticed that my my chest would rise, like literally physically. There's like a – yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. there's a tension mm-hmm. that, that shows up. There's a bracing that happens there. Right. Yeah. Right. So in that moment, mm-hmm. so here's the deal is if I'm guessing that I'm safe, yeah. I am ready mm-hmm. for connection, bonding, making mm-hmm. love, yes. connection, all the stuff, all the rest and yeah. the digest. If I've guessed that I'm in danger, I only can get you to do something else back away from you psychologically by judging you. I can fight. I can run out of the room or I can freeze either into a high brace, like I'm expecting something Mm -hmm. to hit me or into a collapse where I numb and dissociate a little bit. So those are my options. Mm -hmm. So when you feel that breath come up, (gasps) what that means is, oh, I guess I'm in danger, which means that at this very second, you're not going to be able to connect and bond. So please don't try. Right. Mm. What I have learned. Please don't try. I like Please that. don't try. I love this, right? <clears throat> what I have learned through this work, through all of all of this, is mm-hmm. my work in that moment when I notice that high brace is to mm. notice it, to notice that my chest just rised mm-hmm. and then go, oh, okay, I'm having an internal thing here. Let me just sit with that a little longer. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the beginning of my work. Like That's it's not right. turning to him, it's turning in. In. Can I point out something huge in addition to the turn in? Listen to how soft your voice was 
towards yourself. Mm. So a really essential piece that's going to help your system move back into safety faster is not to get yourself into safety. That will never work. You're now an agenda with yourself and you just neurocept danger donated yourself all day long. <laughs> no, the trick is yeah, to not compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I tell you a funny little story about this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I caught myself doing this. And I did that little piece where I turned in and I sat with myself for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And then when I was feeling a little bit calmer and safer, I turned around and I looked at him and I realized he was doing like a crossword puzzle or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that moment literally had nothing to do with me. He was just deep in thought. Yeah. yeah. Right. How many times though did I oh misinterpret yep. something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And the more compassion we can have towards ourselves rather than beating ourselves up for getting it wrong. I'm putting that in quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know what's right, wrong, wrong. What we can have a, we can have a discussion about that for years, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the more compassion we can have for here, we are bumbly humans trying to yeah. figure this out, the mm-hmm. quicker you're going to be kind to yourself. Now that's really cool because your prefrontal cortex, which is the spot in your brain at the very front of your brain has direct pathways to three different parts of your brain, two that measure pain and one that measures fear and meaning of fear and meaning of pain. So if I want to calm down the parts of my brain that do meaning of pain and meaning of fear. The best possible option I have as far as the science now shows us is compassion. Mm. Can I have compassion for my partner? Can I have compassion for me? Jules, does compassion only live in the prefrontal cortex? Is that what you're telling us? And it takes it to those other places? Right. So we don't know. That feels like a little bit ahead of the science to me. Okay. But what we know is that when people move into compassion, either receiving it or giving it to themselves, Mm -hmm. that there are parts of your brain on the edge. It's called the lateral and ventral for anybody who cares, part of your prefrontal cortex on both sides. Mm -hmm. When you're in self-compassion, it's towards the, on the left side of the brain. When you're receiving compassion, it's on the right side. So more, it's not, we have to get out of the phrenology of the brain. Think of them as brain states rather than parts of the brain do X, parts of the brain mm-hmm. do Y. It's mm-hmm. more like states in the brain function in this way. Mm-hmm. So there's this little like half moon that lights up on either side of my brain and it goes, oh, I'm sorry you're hurting to the parts of my brain that do pain <laughs> and meaning of pain. And why am I hurting? And it calms down all of them. And it also calms down your amygdala, which is processing meaning of fear. So it goes to the parts of your brain that are going, "Ah," if you're in compassion. So that's why I wanted to point out like, oh, wow. Take home point. When you're in second consciousness, a really important part is not just observing yourself, but observing yourself with kindness. If you can. Right. And then by the way, when you beat yourself up anyway, please don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up. Oh, and when you do that, don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up for beating yourself up. (laughs) That somewhere in the process, we slow it down and we go, oh, oh, isn't this normal? Yeah. Yeah. And then how long do we kind of want to nurture that compassion, that soft kindness for, I mean, like ideally forever. Right. But forever. Right. But, but like we're, we're freaking human. Mm -hmm. And so something's going to happen, but, 
But I think there, if I remember correctly from Jules, I remember you telling me something once about dropping in for like 15 to 20 seconds, that that's kind of like right. a magic space when we can drop in for a while, oh, yes. our brain reintegrates, like it can actually do something with that information. Kind of. It depends. So here's the, the it depends. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't fudge on my details. Okay. Right. It takes 15 to 20 seconds to register something positive. Mm. So the amygdala processes meaning of lots of stuff, meaning of fear is only one thing. And the parts of the amygdala that are processing meaning of joy, meaning of kindness, meaning of good are way smaller. And it takes them longer to work. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. And so you process pain, fear in one quarter of one second, and you process good stuff coming at you in 15 Jesus. to 20 seconds. So that's a long time. So if I wanted to sit with compassion uh, and, and I could catch it as fast as you are, then I need 15 to 20 seconds at least. Yeah. I just aim for 30 just to make sure I get it. And then- um, and 30 seconds is a long time. It is. Like, it's a really long time. Yeah. So, so we want to kind of draw it out and sit in it a little longer. Um, but if I've gone all the way into a fight flight response, then I probably had a cortisol dump into my bloodstream and then I need 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to kind of go back though to yes, 30 seconds is a long time. It is. It also isn't. So like Rebecca, in that ver- in that story of like, you looked over at him and he was doing a crossword puzzle. We're not asking you to stop your whole night no. and sit in your compassion. <laughs> like 30 seconds is not that long to hold yourself warmly in that mistake. And I put mistake in quotes, right? <clears throat> and then like, or even if I'm in the thick of it with my husband, even 30 seconds is not that long for me to like, pause and breathe and take my time out or whatever. So yeah. it, it both is, and it isn't. I think though it, as ambiguous it as that is. feels like a quote unquote long time when yeah. we're in a not safe place. Yes. When the compassion is online, 30 seconds is so like we could sit there. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. could linger there. But mm-hmm. when, when it, that kindness and that compassion is the part that like is missing. Yeah it feels like a really long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just think about, I wonder if we could just do it for a moment. Hold on. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out of timer. Yeah. I'm going to time it. Cause why not? Um, so hold on. I have have a clock somewhere on here. Here we go. (laughs) We do like a kindness meditation during this time or something. Right. Yeah. So what is what we're going to do? Okay. So I wonder if you could just notice some moment when you've gone into like a threat space. So notice a moment when like maybe your chest rose or a moment when you felt like, oh, and your fist clenched up or a moment when you went like, and just wanted to like drop your head and not have eye contact. Right. And then, and then go ahead and, uh, and uh, notice, oh, that's, that's normal. That's human. Oh, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It, they just said it's hard. It's hard to be human. It's hard to feel scared. It's hard to. <sighs> yeah. We're only 15 seconds in, guys. <laughs> Keep going. And you can give it a color. If I had love for myself, what color would it be right now? 
Mine came up pink with little white edges. Okay, now 30. Okay, that was a long time. <laughs> it is yeah. a long time. Well, it is and it isn't. Yeah. No, but I'm with you, Vicky, because I think I think we often because it feels weird to stop that long. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Think, yeah, because it feels weird because that's not how our world works, and so it's like out of sorts, right? Yeah, because it feels weird. It's going to feel like a really long time, and that's true. And in the larger scheme of things, if I could pause for 30 seconds and give myself a little love, and then I could come out of that and go, honey, I just made up a crazy story. Could I ask you if it's true? And he looks up from his crossword puzzle and goes, oh, (laughs) didn't I just save our night? So that 30 seconds ends up being very worth it, but it's going to feel awkward and weird if you actually take it. I think we need to back up for a minute though here because, you know, we're talking really about the difference between first and second consciousness. I don't know that we've really explained the two. Do it. Right? So Mm -hmm. first consciousness is really a whoosh kind of feeling like something comes through me. I I go through that, that um, am I safe? Am I not safe? Quarter of a second piece. And I go right from there into the unconscious story, the implicit knowings within me, which bring me right into these big feelings, which bring me right into big reactions. And I go Mm -hmm. right into the reaction. And that all probably happens within a second or two. Yeah. And so if I can notice, and this is the second consciousness part, that was Mm -hmm. first consciousness. Second consciousness is now me noticing like, oh, oh, I know that feeling in my chest. Mm -hmm. Okay, wait, what's happening there? Mm Oh, I'm having a feeling. What's that feeling about? Oh, it's about the way he just bit his lip. Why? What's Mm -hmm. happening? What am I telling myself? Right? So now I'm in this whole thing and now I'm giving myself this time. This is before I've even done that 30 seconds of compassion work. Well, and, and you're talking to yourself so slowly in that I would say, even in that you are doing 30 seconds of compassion work. Mm -hmm. So like what I thinking, what do I do when I move into second consciousness? So mine's a shame. One, so I would tend to panic, get really tearful, feel incredibly angry, and then go into a shame pit within about a second and a half. (laughs) And so by the time I catch it, I'm probably in the like empty gut drop down. I shouldn't make eye contact with anyone ever again feeling. And what I do in that moment is I put a hand on my heart and a hand on my gut and I go, Jules, stop sweetie. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. This is shame. This is normal. Everybody has this feeling. Okay. What's actually going on? Is everything actually okay? And I might check my surroundings a little bit and, you know, I might, you know, when I suddenly do that, everybody in the room goes, what is she doing? And like stops what they're doing. So it kind of gave them an automatic signal. that Maybe I'm not okay. Right. But I'm thinking about different moments. I do that when I'm parenting or different moments. Mm -hmm. I do that with my husband and I just can, I can just, yeah, stop. So it's, it's like a pause, but it's like got a lot of care and kindness in the pause. It's got firmness in the pause. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, no, you don't get to keep moving forward, but it's also got a lot of love in the pause. I'm watching you right now over the screen and I'm Mm -hmm. seeing how you're putting your hand there. And as you do that, even just as you act it out in this moment right Mm -hmm. here, Mm -hmm. I noticed that there's a a feeling that comes through me seeing you do that. Mm -hmm. And as I pay attention to what that is, I notice inside of me, I'm going, 
oh, what's happening for Jules there? Yeah. Right? And so I even just hear it in how I'm thinking right there. Like everything about me just went, oh, in like a slow and soft way. I was just going to say slows down. Yeah. Yeah, Slows down. down. And then for me, my work is actually to speak up in that moment because my protectors don't go for attack. My protectors go a little more into withdrawal. So my protectors would be likely not to say what's on my mind. Mm -hmm. And I might go silent for a long time and kind of freeze. So my job in that moment when I stop myself is actually to help myself gather my thoughts so that I can say what's true for me. So I think everybody has their own thing they do next. Sorry, Vicki, I cut you off. No, no, no. But I want to piggyback on that, that I'm not even as evolved yet as you are with my skills, because right now all I can do in those moments is take a time out. And Mm -hmm. so it's not even about holding myself right then and how do I respond to my husband? It's about knowing like, okay, I'm there. And I say, I can't respond in a healthy way right now. I have to take a time out. And then I also wanted to add that for me, that I don't have a whoosh. My first mm-hmm. consciousness is completely cerebral. It's all in my brain. I know that I'm, I wouldn't even say on fire because I don't really feel it in my head, but I know I'm riled up and want to kill him. I use that term mm-hmm. loosely, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel anything in my body. So yeah, so your body goes away. Like my body goes away. Mm-hmm. And your brain is like, and I will kill him now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. love that. So I actually think of it as basic behavior, affect, sensation, image, cognition. It's the basic ways we show up in the world. Say that and again. So basic. Wow. Behavior, behavior affect, affect, sensation image, cognition. So these are the five elements that a neural network is actually processing and feeds to your conscious mind. So you can track your whoosh in any one of those ways. Do you do a thing? Do you have a behavior of moving forward or backward? Do you have a specific feeling, fear, anger, shame, an affect? Sensation. Does your chest feel like it rises? Do you get that drop in your gut like I do? Do you go cold? Do you go warm? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Cold, warm, these sorts of things. So do I have a sensation in my body image? This one is like a history thing. Do I flash like memories of something Mm -hmm. from my past? (laughs) All of a sudden, (laughs) Mm -hmm. sometimes our brains speak to us like that. Like all of a sudden we're making associations from other points in our life that are dangerous or cognition is yours more thought-based. So your brain speaks all these five different languages all the time. And so Whichever one is your go-to language, like, cool. Mm -hmm. This way you don't have to think, oh, well, I don't feel my body, so I guess I can't do that second consciousness thing they're talking about. Right. No, you can totally do it. Find your language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it's also something that it takes some time to learn. And I think about this as like, this is is really about building connection with the self. The self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's totally worth taking the time out for me to learn what my body's trying to tell me. Yes. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. worth taking the time out to learn yours too. Like mm-hmm. all of these pieces yeah. are worthwhile. And if I can slow down and be like, what's happening inside of me right now and notice that behavior or that feeling or that sensation or that, that image that I'm kind of coming up with again, or that thought that I'm having, right. That basic mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that, that acronym, I'm by thinking, the way. I, oh my God. That's right. Awesome. Oh my goodness. So it's 
for anybody who's like super into body work and stuff, you'll know SE has a similar thing. Cybam sensation, image, behavior, affect, meaning there are lots of different therapies. I could name five off the top of my head therapies that track this data, but mm-hmm. I like the way IPNB says it. Cause it's an actual word and it's the word basic. And so it helps me remember. It's so much. Oh, that's yeah. Great. It's great. It's wonderful. And, and that's really what it is. We're learning how to track ourselves. Yes. Right. And so when we're learning how to track ourselves, you could track yourself in any way. And don't think that the just the way you do it, just because it's different than your partner or different than your friends is wrong. Mm-hmm. Your brain speaks all five languages. Let's get fluent in all of them. Start mm-hmm. wherever you are. And that's great. I love this. Oh, I was just going to say, it's funny that um, how the comparisons, Jules, because I have found that in my couple sessions, when I mention I don't feel anything below the neck which is not healthy. comes from my own childhood. I'm working on it, blah, blah, blah. But when I mentioned that the husbands like have this relief and then the wives, and this has happened like three different times, the wife will say, Oh, I do. And then we, me and the husband look towards her in session sometimes as the expert on that, like, okay, well, where do you feel sadness in your body? Cause we don't feel it, but me mm-hmm. not feeling it either normalizes it for those husbands of like, I, I now story in my head because they don't say it, but like they don't feel as wrong or different or whatever. And they, um, well, yeah, it normalizes it for them. Yeah. And this is one of the huge things. Like mm-hmm. when we're scared, the biggest deal is we don't want to feel alone because there's something worse than feeling scared. And that is feeling scared and alone. Oh, I never thought about it that way, but that's beautiful. I like, I love that. And so if you wow. can undo your aloneness just a little bit, Within yourself. Yeah. Then the scared is actually easier to metabolize. Mm. You know, I've, I've been unpacking some of, some of the fights that some of my couples have been having in my, in therapy. And what I'm noticing is that so many of the kind of, if we get down to like, what is it really that you're, Mm -hmm. that you're fighting for? Like what, what is the the thing that you really want right here? Right. Mm -hmm. And when we get down to those things, it's like, I don't want to be rejected. Or I don't want to feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. right. And so mm-hmm. like all of these pieces start to get to that. They start to point to those places where it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be alone. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. a lot of times, and I love the way Les Greenberg talks about this. He's a therapist out of Canada, worked with Sue Johnson. He was her mentor for a long time. And he talks about uh in couples all the stuff kind of goes down to one of two spaces. Mm-hmm. One is about connection, but the other one's about identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it could be that I'm afraid of failing or like, I'm not good enough sort of stuff. Right. And of course yeah. that might lead to rejection, but really I think it's more like an abandonment of self that mm-hmm. we're worried about. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is the attachment stuff. Yeah. So all about, Oh, are you, am I enough for you? Or am I choosable? Yeah. Mm, am I choosable? Am I choosable? Do you want mm-hmm. me? Yeah. Yeah. Am I a wanted being? Yeah. These are such normal questions. Like I, yeah. I think mm-hmm. every single couple I've worked with comes in with these questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes they're voiced and sometimes they're not. Sometimes yeah. they're kind of underneath I, the surface yeah. playing mm-hmm. in the background. And we all, you know, really underneath are these little kids wondering if I'm good enough and wondering if I'm choosable and wondering if I'll be, I'll be proud of myself and 
all, all the stuff, all yeah. the regular like human stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that brings me back to the question that we started with. Why does my partner pick a fight with me when they want to connect? Right. So wait, but there's more. Oh. This is going to be a long one, guys. It's okay. We're in it. But, but wait, there's more. Okay. So what about the midbrain? So there's this guy, Yak Pongsap, who writes beautifully about processes in the midbrain. And the midbrain is at the top of your brainstem. So the autonomic nervous system that we've been talking about is in the brainstem on the lower end. And now I'm going to be talking about the brainstem on the upper end. And he talks about emotions having a root and that they're rooted in this moment of need. And if we express a need and it gets met, we move through one pathway of behaviors seeking care and it gets met. And now I'm in love and oxytocin dumps, Mm -hmm. and then I can move into play and when appropriate developmentally, I'll also move into lust and sexual connection and romance. Okay. But what happens if it doesn't get met? Mm -hmm. What happens if I make a bid, I I have a need and it doesn't get met? Well, the first thing is panic grief, Mm. panic grief. Oh my God, I can tell this is not working. And there's urgency in it and there's grief simultaneously. A lot of us are going to feel really familiar with that one. If Mm -hmm. that doesn't work, we move into terror. Ah, I am totally alone in this world. If that doesn't work, we move into rage. And therefore, all of these are trying to get the other person to respond with care. Rage is actually a bid for connection. Oh, my brain just blew up. Whoa. So, and you can see it in a baby. Okay. Can I tell you like real life story? Please. Yeah, but I'm still okay. like, my brain is still like yeah. all over the so place. I got to put it back the, together. Right. Totally. Here's the thing <laughs> is I had been reading this stuff forever. I've been seeped in this stuff since 2009. So I've, I read a lot, a lot, a lot of all this stuff. And I read this in Yak Ponsep's work. It was like... Rage is a bid for connection. Really? Uh, I see what you're saying. I see the neuroscience. I understand why you're probably right. But man, do I see it? I don't know. Rage feels like me to push me away. Then I had this moment. So my kiddo is like three when this happens. And she's seven now. She was three then. And I'm sitting down on the kitchen floor and I was doing something where my attention was not fully on her. I don't know what I was doing. I was doing something with my hands and like not looking at her. And she was trying to talk to me. And so she's there and she's saying, mommy, da, 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 da. And I hear her voice start getting whiny. Panic grief. Here, oh, ah. There it is. And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm listening, Stella. But I didn't turn to her. I kept going with whatever I was doing. I didn't turn to her. And she's, she starts escalating. And the wine gets bigger and more shrill and more like, almost like a fear. Like "Ah!" I said, I hear you, but I didn't look up. And she took her little hand and grabs my face and yanks my head around to her. And she goes, mommy, listen to me. And I was like, there it is. Rage is a bit for connection. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) So if it's not happening at the autonomic system uh-huh. level, 
maybe it's still happening super subconscious in the brain, but maybe if your partner's fighting and connection usually follows, maybe they're using rage as a bid for connection. What do I do with that if that's my partner? Well, I think I speak up and say, we have to find another way. If I'm the person who's doing it, I think the thing to do is to recognize that's a pattern for you and then to do a U-turn so that you can directly request connection. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing is both of those moves you're not going to want to do because they are incredibly vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it may be that my partner rejects me. And it's easier to deal with the ragey feelings sometimes than it is to deal with the rejection feelings. Yeah. And so when I say this, I don't mean to say it's cool that my daughter grabs my face and swings me around and yells in my face. I actually want to help her not do that behavior. Mm -hmm. But seeing that that's what was going on helped me not be that reactive to it. Yeah. So thank God I've been studying this stuff and she does this. And I went, Oh honey, you're right. I was not listening to you at all. And she melts into me and starts sobbing and we're there and I'm, I'm rocking her and, and she's looking up at me and she's like, I said, what did you want to say? And she told me whatever it was. I don't remember. It was something, whatever she was talking, dogs are brown. I don't know. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> like sometimes they are, you're right. Um, she was, she was, I, I don't, I, I honestly don't remember what she said, but but then after that, I said, yeah, sweetie, let's not grab bodies when we're mad, okay? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I do want to limit that, right? And if if, sure. if anybody's putting their hands on anyone, I'm a big advocate for nonviolence. That is not okay. I'm hearing Just something, because it, though, in here of what you did. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. What, you're, what you were saying yeah. is important, that nonviolence is not okay. Yeah. And I'm never an advocate for it. And there's no excuse to turn that feeling into a behavior that hurts another person ever, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Right. So I want to be hyper clear about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying as a, we're understanding these processes, I'm not saying that to excuse behavior in any way. Right. Right. And it may be that when somebody's really pissed is because they're wanting us to care about them. Yes. And I'm hearing something in what you did in that parenting moment that I think also applies to couples. Mm -hmm. And I just want to extract it and kind of open it a little with us. Yeah. The moment of correction, right? That we don't put our hands on people's Mm -hmm. bodies in that way. It happened after the connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Because the connection had to happen that she could melt into where she could feel safe again. And then the correction could happen. Mm-hmm. Which is hard in couples. Cause that means I'm taking turns. Yeah. yeah. In that moment, what I did was I made it her turn, not my turn, mm-hmm. even though I had just mm-hmm. gotten my face grabbed, but you know, she's three and I'm like, right. 44. So <laughs> I am now. I don't remember how old I was then. I can't do math that fast, but, but you know, I'm 40 or whatever. And, and she's three. So it's my job to be the regulated one in the room. Now, if I'm with my partner, you know, maybe I need to take a break before I can figure out how to take turns. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right on about pointing that piece out. Yeah. Um, That, 
that making the connection is the important thing. And then we work out the details of how to do that differently and what is and is not okay for me so that I actually have a listening person on the other side. Right. Because I'm thinking about how many times part, like a partner goes into that rage place and the other partner, where, how do they meet them there? What do they do? Do they go into a rage too? Do they back away and pull off? Right. Like it it varies. Exactly. Well, and if it's, if it's rage with any scary behavior, I say get out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and, I often see the rage, at least in my office, I see the rage as like a loud voice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? There, there's not something scary underneath it. There's more of that like terror that you're talking about underneath mm-hmm. it, that terror that I'm going to be left mm-hmm. alone and I'm going to have to sit with these feelings and that yeah. panic and that fear. Yeah. I have a, I have a question that I can pull out of my back pocket for that moment. If, if it's not scary, never put yourself in danger to do this, but if it's not scary, they're just loud voice. Here's what I do. I raise my voice up to meet them and I go, what is hurting or scaring you right now? <laughs> and that's a really important question yeah. because yes. something it could be not always, because some people do this out of modeling and it's actually so the anger piece could be happening even at the limbic level, which is not mm-hmm. where we're talking about. So what mm-hmm. if I'm just mimicking what I saw my dad do or whatever? And that's a totally different thing. And it's modeling and it may not be based in any wounding. Mm-hmm. Thank it you may for not that be. distinction. Cause it I may not be that this whole time. Okay. Thank it may you. not be. We could even drop into the upper layer. Like what if my partner learned to fight? Cause they watched somebody fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not actually coming from a wounded space underneath. It's coming from modeling. So that's possible too. Mm-hmm. And those are really different, right? But if it's coming from, um, if it's coming from more the midbrain price, then probably there was like a need that isn't getting met and they're making a bid for that care. And so is there a way for, for people to make that distinction other than just sit and ask? Mm, curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think we need to like, that's a, that's when I move into me, like meta conversation, right? Yeah. So here's another skill highlight skill. Um, meta conversations are the things that happen when we're both calm and we're talking about larger processes. Yeah. So in this case, mm-hmm. I've noticed that sometimes you're bringing a lot of anger energy to me. It happened on Thursday and it happened before that. And then it happened the week before that. And it actually feels like a pattern. I've noticed we're really disconnected. Could you take a look at that pattern with me? What do you think is going on with you? And I just want to highlight because it's so important that this is not happening in the heat of the moment, in the heat of any moment. This is happening in another moment when everybody's kind Mm -hmm. of really calm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can express what's going on for me, even in that calm space. So it might sound something like, I do want you to know that this does not feel good to me and it does not make me feel closer to you. And I do want to feel closer to you. I really want to figure out a way to work this out. Could you help me? Mm-hmm. And let's get curious about it together. What is really going on with you? Like, what are you feeling? What are you thinking right before these things happen? Mm-hmm. And you'll, and you'll catch whether is somebody like safety issue, a needs not getting met issue, or more like a pattern. Like I, I know how to do this. So I'm just doing it. 
That would be the modeling. Makes sense. Yeah, that's more the modeling piece. What I have found for those meta conversations that works really well in my own marriage is we plant seeds for them. Like, hey, I've been having this, cool this thought and I, I want to just kind of plant a seed here with you. I want to give it to you to chew on. And then can we come back and talk about it at another time? And do you share it from like a, here's what I've been noticing space, or do you show, share it from like, um, I'm wondering what you're thinking space? It could be either, right? Often it's a like, I've been thinking about this and I don't think we need to talk about it right now, but can you chew on it for a while and let me know when you want to talk about it? Because mm-hmm. I'd like to come back to it with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that, leaving it open-ended for um, the come back for like a better term of like, you let me know when. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So skill highlight. If I direct request what I need, then I don't need to move into rage to get it, but that's a vulnerable move. So no, you'll mm-hmm. be scared. If my body mind you know, basic behavior, affect, sensation, image, cognition. If any of those tell me I'm in a total fear state, then I cannot connect and bond time for second consciousness. And I can also, if I'm moving into one, if I'm the fighter, what if I'm the person on the other mm-hmm. side of this question? So if you're listening and I'm the fighter, you can, you turn and look at what is it? And kind of wonder, huh, is this modeled for me? Is it more like when needs don't get met, I do this? Is it more when I'm in danger that I do this? Um, maybe it's all three because <laughs> that happens. I'm sorry to make it so complicated. And then, and then, and then meta conversations. So if you do notice a pattern, you could, I love your idea about laying seeds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you say it could be all three, because yeah. at least for two, I found myself thinking, I, I have expressed some rage sometimes to my children. I don't admit that happily. Mm-hmm. And what I have found for me is that it, I do believe some of it was modeling. My mom had done that. Mm-hmm. And the, um, the other piece of my first consciousness is I have this tape in my head that I'm working to rewire that says my voice has no value. So when they're mm-hmm. not listening to me and I interpret that as my voice has no value, it's basically a four-year-old yelling, just listen to me already, will you? So yeah. it's the modeling and the first consciousness. It's both of them at the same time. Yeah. And there's that rage bid for connection mm-hmm. piece coming yes. up. Yeah. So it could be a really unique landscape and it's, you know, unique as a fingerprint. Yours is yours. Mm-hmm. Your partner's is your partner's. And so we just move into that U-turn space and try to check out, huh? I wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when I take my time out. Right. Or time in. Either way. Ooh, yeah. If you can do a time, if you can do a time in, great. <laughs> well, when I, I guess what I mean by time in is like, I take my time out. I, I move away from the thing that's, that's yeah. eliciting this response. Uh-huh. Right. But then I go in to, to figure to out inward. what's happening inside. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see. So when you're in a timeout, you're in a time in. I yes. love that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's awesome. All right. That brings us to the end of another time together. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. All right. Take care, guys. 
That wraps up this week's episode. Join us again next week for another Why Does My Partner? We hope that you continue to listen wherever you get your audio and that you'll follow the show. To go deeper, join us at our bootcamp. You'll find the next date at whydoesmypartner.com. We want to tell you more about our sponsor, Therapy Wisdom. Jules is one of their amazing educators, and you can also find teachers like Janina Fisher, Bessel van der Kolk, Deidre Fay, and Akila Riley Richardson, plus a bunch of people you might not have heard of, but will definitely want to start following once you take their courses. And because you listen to us, the Therapy Wisdom team is offering a secret code to give you free access to one of my one-hour wise conversations. Use the code WDMP at checkout. If you're a licensed therapist, coach, healer, or someone who's invested in doing the deep work of personal healing and want to learn about topics like neurobiology, supporting trauma healing, incorporating intersectionality and somatic work, then this is the place for you. Discover some of the most heart-led and quality courses available in a community of people who are invested in spiritual growth, equity, inclusion, and developing expert-level clinical skill. Visit therapywisdom.com or click the link in the show notes and use the WDMP discount code. Thanks, Therapy Wisdom. We love you.